0: Welcome back, everybody, to So Every Soul Sings Worship for the Real Church. Yes. And the real church is trying to do Advent and Christmas during COVID this year. Yay. Yay for us. Uh, and then I don't know if that brings extra uh, problems for worship leaders who are trying to plan services or not. I would say it probably does. But starting out thinking about worship planning around Advent and Christmas, I would like to know one of your favorite memories, either from when you were a kid during the Advent season, or maybe something that you did with your family, with your daughters to celebrate Advent.
1: Wow. Um, I'm going to go with the first one because it's such a vivid memory popped in my head right away. Uh, when I was a child, our Christmas Eve service was at 11 p.m., and so it was already one of my favorite days of the year because as a kid, I got to stay up late.
0: Why and, is that exciting for children? I don't
1: like, I don't know, it's I don't so, like
0: to do that now. But.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but when we're little, it's like a dream come true. Yes. And so we would go to church at 11 o'clock and the service always ended with silent night and candlelight. And mm-hmm. um, I bring that into my adult experience and it's still one of my favorite moments. Every single year, no matter what church I've been in, you know the largest church I've led worship in on christmas eve was emmanuel baptist in lexington it was a full house i think it seats 1600 people and i was so undone just the vibrancy of 1600 candles in a dark room was amazing and then i've also led worship in recent years in a in a church where there were 70 people in a dark room with candles and it's the same kind of i, I don't i don't want to get the word wrong it's the same kind of mystical energy that comes from light in a dark world. Hmm. To me, it is the quintessential experience of Christmas. And I don't feel like it's me longing for my childhood. I feel like it's my childhood lining me up or setting me up to have this lifelong deeper and deeper discovery of what it means to experience light in the darkness. So I'm not really aiming to go back and be a kid again. I'm looking forward to what God can do next in my understanding of and experience with and partnership in his desire to be a light and a dark place. It's just favorite part for me every year. What about and you?
0: That, well, that counts as worship, right? Like mm-hmm. if worship is a right response to a revelation of who God is mm-hmm. and Jesus is revealed to us as the light that has come into the world, like that's deeply moving. Now, some people would say, you know what you just described is just nostalgia. it's just you know remembering your childhood and and I think it's easy to confuse the two uh actually, it's funny we had a a moment this morning of worship around silent night ourselves, so oh. I have young children, young ish children at home still young and itch. we do an advent <laughs> what
1: young ish <itch>, yes
0: yes, <laughs> yeah. they're not little bitty, but they're young enough um And this morning for our Advent, uh, so in the past we've done a devotional book uh, of one sort or another, and those have been wonderful. But this year we're focusing on Christmas carols. So every day during Advent we are reading the history or the story behind a Christmas carol, and then we read the lyrics, and then we listen to it, and and then they have a little thing they open with chocolate, you know, and some fun activity as well, like making paper snowflakes or, you know, special cookies or whatever. So today's was Silent Night. And I mean, yes, it's neat how it was written and how it was a poem first, and then they put music to it. And then the organ wasn't working. So they used guitar. Like that's all neat about the history of Silent Night. You can look it up if you're interested. But what really got me was it's the song that brought the soldiers out of the trenches on Christmas Eve yes. in 1914, I believe, for great. this ceasefire between the Germans and the British. And uh, some company made an ad depicting that, a, a dramatic depiction of it. And we watched it and I just, it was so mm it really brought it home to my kids that these people were killing each other moments before, and this song brought them together. It was beautiful. And that's really like the light of the world coming into our world uh, on that beautiful, silent and holy night that really brought that alive for us Mm. today.
1: (laughs) That's so good. And I, I am so, uh, every Christmas, I can't wait for somebody to have the, gosh, how, how do I say this for somebody that I'm leading in worship to have the, wow, I never saw that before moment. It it might be, you know, God and sinners reconciled, which is from (laughs) a, a carol that most of us have sung thousands of times, but never noticed the profound depth of that phrase or, um, gosh, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. you know that, that's just so beautiful and and the words of these songs are so packed. It's like the very best of um, of liturgy that's set to music because the the words are so carefully chosen and so carefully crafted and so packed with meaning. but they're also like liturgy in that they can become, wrote, they can become disconnected from us and we can become so familiar with them that we don't see them anymore. Kind of like the beauty of our spouse or our children. We, we just get so comfortable with who they are that we forget that, that we're looking on beauty. I think the same thing can happen with these Christmas carols. And I love letting them have their life again as a worship mm-hmm. planner, worship designer, whatever, worship leader in rehearsals to help them come alive for the band and the vocal team and then in the services so that people see things that they've been singing for decades but had not yet seen.
0: It's Mm -hmm. one of my
1: favorite things about Christmas. Uh, Bob Coughlin is a mentor of mine. Uh, Many of you will know his name. Sovereign Grace Music uh, leads worship at Together for the Gospel Conference every year with thousands and thousands of men in the room, and they record those, and it's powerful to listen to. And Bob is just brilliant. One of my favorite books of all time is his book called Worship Matters. Um, Bob and I were talking about this Christmas carol thing, gosh, probably five or six years ago. And I was in a, in a context where we were we were both in the crowd worshiping, and it was Christmas music. And he was just full-on Bob Coughlin, both hands. He's, he's, I think, my height, 6'4", 6'5", something like that. And his hands, you know, is stretched out. His hands are longer. His arms are longer than mine, stretched out, just <laughs> as worshipful as the latest song from your favorite worship source, whatever that is, Elevation, Bethel, Hillsong, who knows, you know, Sovereign Grace. <laughs> but he was just all in with an ancient carol. And we talked together about how those words are so crammed with meaning. And, and how sad it is that too often we go on autopilot in our modern church services and we don't catch the brilliance and the beauty of those words. So I would encourage you, worshiper or worship leader or worship planner, as you're thinking about what you're going to put in the mouths of the people who will sing this Christmas, think about what you're going to put in the mouths of those who will sing this Christmas. What can you do to make those lives have fresh life? Is there Mm -hmm. something you can do with a background on a screen? Is there something you can do with a font? Is there something you can do with punctuation? If the angels are singing, put what they're singing in quotation marks. Then people oh. understand, oh, the angels are singing now. Oh, that's it seems a great like idea. A, yeah, It seems like a goofy little thing, but it actually makes all the difference in the world. Put the commas in the right place. Most poetry <laughs> that's that we always
0: speak, a good idea.
1: <laughs> it really is. It can mean the difference in life or death, depending on the phrasing of what you're talking about. And in most modern church contexts, we don't punctuate what's on the screens. And I think we, especially with classic poetry like Christmas carols, we can miss Mm -hmm. out on some of the profound nature of what we're singing because we don't have the break in thought that a comma represents or the end of thought that a period or exclamation mark or question mark communicates. So if that's something you're not doing, maybe do it for Christmas carols and see if something changes and the way your people interact with the text. I'm always a fan of doing this with accompaniment. If there's a way that you can accompany in such a way that the words make more sense, then do it. Mm-hmm. If it's singing about the, the first moments of Jesus in the manger, like the beginning of Chris Tomlin's song, Adore, that we did yesterday, then let the introduction be sweet and simple and pure, and maybe even up an octave. I mean, just something that's, that speaks innocence because you're about to sing a line about an innocent Baby, more innocent than any baby ever. Um, and so, when you can paint things with the accompaniment that make the words come to life, come alive, or come to life, then your people will reengage, or perhaps for the first time engage, the depth of truth that is in these carols. I, I say all of that because one of my favorite compliments ever, and then I'll let you, I'll breathe and let you talk, Bethany. One of my <laughs> favorite compliments ever was after my first Christmas here at, at Woodburn, um, Pastor Tim Harris. And now we're having our weekly one-on-one meeting, and he said, oh, I've just so appreciated the way that you've led us to be worshipful in this season, as if that wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. And I guess for me, it hadn't been normal all of my life either. I just had gone so gradually in that direction that I didn't really notice. We sang all the same songs. It's not that we found all these great new Christmas songs. I mean, we probably <laughs> did something for the first time that Christmas, but we were using "O oh, Come All You Faithful in a way in a manger and Silent Night and joy to the world and, and all of those. Mm-hmm. But it was because of the attention to text by, on my part and then drawing attention to the text on the part of those who were leading. Mm-hmm. And then together that those of us on the platform were appropriately, not like slamming people in the face with it, but appropriately drawing people's <laughs> attention to it, who are the worshipers that we began to sing the Christmas songs in a whole new way. And mm-hmm. I just, I think that's going to make Christmas better Mm -hmm. in your worship experience. And it's going to make your worship experience better this Christmas. If regardless of what your role is in your church service, if you will have that kind of intellectual and emotional engagement with the text. Okay. I'll breathe now.
0: (laughs) So four quick, really, uh, really specific examples that might help. So number one, you talked about musical accompaniments. Yes. Um, So I actually grew up listening to Mannheim steamrollers. Some oh. people hate them. Some people love them. My dad, that is Christmas music for him. So I grew right. up listening to their renditions, which are mostly instrumental. Right. But speaking of silent nights, the way they finish the song silent night, it gets me every single time. It's mm-hmm. mostly a single violin at the very end, just doing the, the verse the melody of the verse, and then they end it with a little child's piano playing. You know how those little bitty children's pianos sound? Little plunk, 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 plunk. Yeah. But it's gorgeous, and it fits the the simplicity and the purity of that song so, so beautifully. And if you hate Mannheim Steamroller, that's okay. You don't have to go listen to that version.
1: I think they uh, should. Second,
0: might, yeah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe you should just up. try it. You yes. might like it.
1: Just the end of Silent Night. Uh,
0: (laughs) Uh, Secondly, uh, I do love reading about how songs were written and put together. There's some really interesting history. Uh, When my, my parents were here last week, we were singing Joy to the World. We were decorating our tree, listening to some Christmas music. And my kids say, why does it say, Joy to the World, the Lord has come or is come? Because I thought they were talking about he is like, He's going to be born like that's advent right we're looking forward to Jesus being born oh. and my mom said and i have not fact checked this so you know maybe go look it up but she said joy to the world was written about Jesus's second coming not his first coming which that thought never occurred to me and i i do need to go look it up because it does make the words of that song hit you differently mm-hmm. let earth receive her king Mm -hmm. Like, wow, let's let's think about that. And then thirdly, uh, one time I was researching Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I found out that one of the original lines which got changed was Hark how the welkin rings. And the word welkin is not used anymore in English, but it means a vault door. So. If you can imagine, he was writing this song, and he was thinking about how this heralded the opening of the vault of heaven to come to earth, like this yeah. giant, heavy door swinging open to allow the treasures of heaven to come to earth. Like,
1: ah! Yes.
0: Um, so amazing. And then fourthly, uh, maybe consider scripture reading as a part of the song maybe stopping in the middle of the song and reading a portion of the scripture. A lot of times scriptures are in songs anyway, right. especially Christmas songs, but we don't necessarily make that connection because we're just, you know, we've heard this song a million times since we were a kid and we're just singing along. But if you stopped and you read the scripture reference that it was from, it might make a new connection with your people.
1: Yeah, and there's so many ways to do that. If you'll go back three, four, five podcast episodes, multiples of them, you'll hear us talking with Craig and Heather Bitterling from Arts Alive. And we Mm -hmm. talk about using scripture in worship gatherings, about scripture presentation, about ways to make that uh, vibrant and meaningful as opposed to, oh yeah, Frank's going to read the Bible again. You know, I mean, (laughs) I love Frank. I don't know who he is, but I love him. And that can become something that people dread but it can also become something that people look forward to. And we're experiencing that at Woodburn, which is so delightful that our folks come into our services wondering how the scripture is going to be presented because there's just anticipation um, behind the creativity of the teams that we have doing that. So this is one of the ways that you can do that and it will um, have multiple ripple effects. Uh, And and that's just great. You know, the word of God never returns void. So let's just give it all the ripples it can have and, and let it, generate all of that joy Uh, back to your comment about joy to the world i think you're right i know that it specifically was not written as a christmas carol at all Mm. Um, of course christmas and advent are two very different seasons technically liturgically advent Mm -hmm. is more historically over the 20th centuries of the church has been far more focused on the second coming than on the Mm -hmm. first coming of jesus and so it might even make more sense that it became a christmas carol because it was used during advent and then it would just kind of got Distorted into becoming the carol that everybody knows with Christmas. One of those phrases that I talked about earlier, that is a favorite of mine, is in that carol: um, "Far, ha- far as his curse is found, let the blessings go. Far as the curse is found, he comes to mm. make his blessings go as far as the curse has gone. You can preach a whole sermon about that. Yes. That's just incredible. That the hmm. the curse of." sin in Adam and Eve's life that has trickled down to all of us, that the good news of Jesus can go every bit as far as the curse has gone. That's in that carol. Have you ever thought of that? Have have you ever encouraged your people to think of that as you lead them or leaned over to your neighbor in the chair next to you and said, I love this phrase in the middle of the song. I give you permission to do that. Uh, Absolutely. Find the things like that that jump out. And, and that means you have to spend a little bit of time with the text. I don't think it means you need to spend an hour a day, but maybe read it out loud without trying to, you can't sing it in your head when you do this because you'll go on autopilot again. So you have to read it without the music. <laughs> Try mm-hmm. to read it in some kind of different time than the time of the, so you can't read joy to the world. The Lord is come that you won't get the words fresh in that way. You have to, you have to read joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth mm-hmm. receive her King. And as you do that, you will discover words and phrases that are in there that you didn't know about or that are in there in ways that you had not yet considered. And and I do that when I am writing a devotional that is based on a song lyric, and I've done a bunch of those around Christmas songs. I'll have one on my blog coming up this Christmas that I love. Uh, So, yeah, just spend some time with those lyrics and let them find their new life in you and then by all means share that with other people around you there are well, what weddings... you
0: said is yeah, key because if you're not worshiping then it's hard to lead people in worship
1: <laughs> it is
0: so let it come alive in you anew this Christmas and advent season in a new way and it it really will translate to your people
1: and I would say there are two environments, at least where you can do that. The first is in preparation and the second is in leading. Mm-hmm. It, it is not unusual at all for me to lead a song for the 150th time and see something I had never seen before in the service. Yes. That, is, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I hadn't looked at it before or studied it or considered it or prayed through it or taught about it or preached about it. But so many of these carols and other worship songs, but so many of these carols are so packed with scriptural truth. That they also have, I can't say the same depth as Scripture, but they have scriptural kind of depth to them. And, mm-hmm. and as you all have heard, regular listeners have heard me say before, one of my pastor's favorite phrases, at least one of my favorite phrases of his, is the deeper, in the deeper you go into the mysteries of God, the deeper the mysteries of God go. Mm-hmm. Well, that's certainly true of Scripture. The deeper you go into the mysteries of scripture the deeper the mysteries of scripture grow and because these carols are packed with that kind of depth then every time you take a deep dive you might discover a different color or a different looking shell or fish or whatever that you're finding on this deep dive and it will (laughs) um if you'll let it it will actually lighten your countenance in the moment and people will go oh wow like he's he or she is having this epiphany moment right now. And I think that engages people. It challenges them. It's kind of when your preacher gets emotional in the best way, it makes (laughs) you feel a little emotional too. Mm -hmm. Remember that has that effect on you. And so as you're worshiping or leading worship, you get to do that too. You get to get a little emotional in the best and most beautiful way, which will stir up some of that emotion that may be lying cold, not indifferent, but just cooled off. And the people that were leading. And when that happens, um, the room catches fire and there's nothing like leading worship in a room full of worshipers that are on fire and especially at Christmas. (laughs) And I don't know why it's, it's just, you know, the two big seasons for the Christian are Christmas and Easter. And they both have this mystique, this mysticism uh, about them and my goodness, just yesterday at our church, leading <laughs> worship and Christmas carols and people uh, having this look of shalom on their face as they sing is just ridiculously beautiful and compelling and I uh, can't commend it highly enough. I think, I think Christmas gets a bad rap and we can yeah. make it as worshipful or more worshipful than any other day of the year.
0: And we should. And you don't have to only use Christmas carols. You know, there's a lot of other great worship songs that talk about, you know, the origins of Jesus. And um, we did the Great I Am yesterday
1: yeah.
0: at Woodburn. And it was, yeah. I mean, do you consider that a Christmas song? I don't, no,
1: I don't think anybody would think yeah. of it was a Christmas song. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it had so much relevance to what we were doing as a church in, in the study of the names of Jesus. and gosh, not just that, but the name of Jesus. I mean, we're reading Philippians 2, 5 through 11, every Sunday during Advent. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're we're finishing that passage every week. And so we sang about the power of the name of Jesus. And all of those pieces came together for our congregation yesterday in a way that was a bit undoing. Um, I, I have often prayed as a worship leader, God, take control. As in, I don't want the click track to control this. I don't want me to control this. I don't want my team to control this. I want you, Holy Spirit, to control this moment. So if if we're holding on, then help us let go. But Holy Spirit, take control of this moment. And, and that happened more than once yesterday. And one of those times was in the Great I Am song. And no, it's not a Christmas song, but it, it works so beautifully in that service. There are, of course, other songs that speak of the incarnation, which is as radically Christian as it gets to think that God wrapped himself up in human flesh and became one of us is mind blowing. And so we can sing here I am to worship at Christmas time and remember Mm -hmm. that it starts with the incarnation or we can sing in Christ alone. Mm -hmm. which We often think of as a resurrection hymn because it is, but it's also an incarnation hymn and we can sing Jesus Messiah and a a good Mm -hmm. Chris Tomlin oldie, but goodie. Um, he became sin who knew no sin to become our righteousness. That's just yeah. such a great line. And and there, the incarnation is in the song Jesus Messiah. So be on the lookout for it. And then if you can marry those, by the way, Paul Balash has done two volumes of CDs where he has married his original um, kind of praise and worship songs with Christmas carols. Oh, and and they they work really well. If your church is a Paul Balash fan, then they will work even better where you are than anywhere else. But there are some that I think would work in any church that entertains the idea of doing modern worship music. And we've, we've done a couple of them in our sanctuary service. We've done more of them in our cafe venue and they just work well. I think joy to the world is partnered with our God saves, but I can't say that for sure because I didn't program that one this year, but we did it the last (laughs) two years in a row, which is why I didn't do it this year. And it just works beautifully. So yes, I would commend those to you by all means. At least listen to them and see if they would fit in your context. If you're not the person planning and choosing music and you feel like it would work in your context, then please share it with your worship leader. Mm-hmm. I love those requests. Not everybody does. And be sure to be sure to share it with a gentle spirit. Not like, <laughs> if you don't do this song, I'm leaving. Uh, no, <laughs> I found this great Christmas song. I thought our people would love to sing it. Would you listen to it? you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, absolutely. Most of us will find a way to listen to songs like that. So yeah. Sing of the Mm -hmm. incarnation, sing of the birth of Jesus. It's an incredible event.
0: And if you make a new mashup of a Christmas song and a worship song, please let us know because we'd like to try it too.
1: Yes, you can text it to me at 502-229-0114, or you can email me at ellis at gmail.com. We we actually want feedback of all kinds from you. So if there are things you'd like to hear us talk about, (laughs) would you tell us? Um, I don't think we're going to run out. It's kind of amazing. Every time I sit down to try to come up with some content, I think, I don't know if I can do anything. And then I, like 30 minutes later, I have five new topics. I really don't think we're going to run out, but we would rather talk about things that are going to serve you than things that are mm-hmm. interesting to us. Hopefully they're the same, <laughs> but if they're not, we'll <laughs> err on the side of what serves you. So let us know. We would we would be delighted to hear from you. I got a message from a, a local podcast listener who's not a part of our church just last week and was so grateful that he listens and that he had some encouraging words to say. Uh, so thank you, listeners. Uh, if this is the last time you hear us before Christmas, have a very merry Christmas. There'll be another episode or two before we get there, but uh, thank you for trusting us with this time. We we know that your time is precious and valuable, and that you could listen to literally thousands of different podcasts, and instead you chose to listen to ours, and we are honored by that, and want to um, just want to help. Um, we want to help you. We want to help you make. We want to help your worship experience be real. In all the ways that that means. And we also would really like to make it so that as you are worshiping and leading and worship, every one of the souls in your room is singing. When it happens, mm. it is yes. <laughs> undeniably beautiful. And I think it puts a smile on the face of God. I really do. So um, so let's go do that. Let's lead in such a way, serve in such a way, choose songs in such a way, craft lyrics on the screens in such a way. All the things we've talked about so that every soul Things, Bethany. I love you, my friend. Listeners, (laughs) we we love you guys. You are the best, and um, help us know how we can serve you. Have a merry
0: Christmas, everybody.